obviously. Um, I'm a huge Caps fan. I always have been. And to be there at that game with my teammates and for us to bring, you know, our gold medals to to there and share it with everyone in this area was really, really special for me. And just the support and it's been tremendous from everyone in this area. And you could feel that there at that game. Welcome to Sports on the Hill podcast. Hashtag DC Sports Without the Politics with Carol and Robbie on True Radio Network. That's right. It's Monday night. Sports on the Hill podcast, True Radio Network, coming to you live from the lab. CP3, you know who it is. Yesterday, I had but three shows yesterday, it was crazy. We were on the air to like 11 o'clock that night, did a commercial shoot for our partner, Eric Cousin. Shout out to my man, Asai. Appreciate it. So you just uh, shared the feed for me. Appreciate that, bro. One love. You see, he posted some of the pictures of the commercial shoot yesterday. Stay tuned for the video on that. But that's, you know, beyond the point. Just had to give a shout out. But I know I'm tired. Robbie, how are you tonight, man? I done had a rough day, man. I've been training. I got homework after the show. It's been another long day. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing really well. I actually uh, had the day off. Uh, I hope that my fellow uh, Jews uh, had an easy day of fast if they did do that. Um, uh, yeah, it's nice working for a school where there's a lot of Jewish people that work there as they give us uh, the day of atonement off, uh, which is good. And it's the holiest of holy days for those who are not Jewish. Um and uh, yeah, but I had a great day with Zach. We, we went out and played uh, some sports, kicked the ball around, and just beautiful day just to hang outside with him. And it was nice. My parents took him for the weekend and uh, are part of it and gave us some time yesterday and fortunately watched the Washington football team not play particularly great. But, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was a fun weekend. I'm excited for the Lakers to get back all the way to the, uh, the finals. So that's exciting. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, this, the Stanley Cup Finals, crazy, crazy games. I can't wait to break that down at the end of tonight's show while uh, watching Game 6 live. So, yeah, lots of sports news, lots of great stuff going on. I can't complain too much. Uh, I'm uh, just – I'm so used to sharing your YouTube feed, and I realize I should share your Facebook feed now again because you're, <laughs> yeah, I'm, you're I'm, back. I'm rehabilitated, and I'm not going back. Right? There, I'm not. I, I believe you. Yeah, man, it hurt. Even though uh, yesterday on the show, 151 said I might have crossed the line a little bit on one of my uh, post games, but I don't think so. I haven't got flagged. I'm still here. And it was it was nothing bad. It was nothing bad. I was actually in training all day for my new position. And on Saturday, if everything goes well, if anybody's looking for a new Honda, a new vehicle, come holler at your boy down at Honda Water, a famous club. 
and that's what I do. Also, go check out sportsothp.com for all the episodes, the great interview that Robbie mentioned with Julie had with Julie Donaldson last week, uh, one of our best interviews I, I feel. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to do it again. Hopefully you might see your boy on some, you know, Washington football team stuff soon if I can, you know, work my magic. But you know, whatever happens, happens. Yeah, I, I want to, I want to, I want to speak on that real quickly. I thought it was a great interview that you and Julie did. I, I really, I wish that we had time in tonight's show to like air it. You know, usually you would air a great interview like that within a podcast, but it's so good standalone and it's just a really awesome 25 minutes or so i really encourage anybody on any of our podcasting platforms to go uh, check it out i i as carol was mentioning i think it's the best interview we've ever done we learned so much i went back and listened to it two or three times because in some of her responses you're able to glean a ton of information and uh i really encourage everyone to go back and check that out uh it was a lot of fun i love the fan participation at the end getting a couple of fan questions in there that was really great and uh yeah it's on the facebook page and it's on our website as well uh, sportsothp.com uh it'll be uh one of the ones beneath tonight's post once i post all of that or you can listen to it on google Podcasts, apple Podcasts, spotify iHeartRadio. just go hashtag sportsothp on most of the podcast platforms just on social media period it's going to pop up because that's just what we do but uh, it's been an interesting week. You were mentioning uh, the Lakers making it to the finals. You know, congratulations, you know, LeBron going, you know, to the finals again, uh, you know, especially with uh, Kobe's passing earlier. So I must say, I guess I might be rooting for the Lakers this year, even though I'm not a big basketball fan. But, Robbie, I guess I'm, 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 on, I'm, I'm on the good side with you now with, with uh, you know, rooting for the Lakers to win it all. Yeah, I, real quickly, I mean, we'll speak more to it in, in the NBA roundtable, but I'm I'm super excited uh, that they made it back. I mean, it's been 10 years since they've been in the finals. Last time they made it, Kobe Bryant was injured with his Achilles injury, people remembered, and that was the last time they made the playoffs, and they got swept that year by the San Antonio Spurs, and uh, so that was really tough. And, uh, you know, I really – I'm just excited for the team. Uh, it's uh, – really interesting i was never a big lebron james fan before uh we've talked about that but i just think that this team uh, with ad uh, and lbj together uh, it's just been really exciting and um i'm just i'm so proud uh, a lot of the same reasons i'm rooting for them you know in kobe's uh memory and uh yeah it's just an incredible run and just nine out of ten times for lebron to make the nba finals and it's basically either been the Heat or the Warriors in every year for the last 10 years, which I thought was crazy. And so that means Iguodala or uh, LeBron James has been in every single one of the finals. And then they're matching up against each other again. I just, you know, there's a lot of great stories. Him going against his old team, the team that he finally learned how to win a championship with. So, it's, yeah, it's, there's a lot of interesting storylines to this uh, NBA finals for sure. So I'm excited to break that down a little later. Well, damn, I don't learn something new that quick in just the first 10 minutes of the show. I know none of that stuff you just said, Robbie. So I'm going to definitely be listening to the NBA roundtable to get some more nuggets like that, man. Yeah, Y'all don't sure. always break down the NBA, you know, even though it's, to me, you know, not that good. But you all, you guys always make it sound more interesting than I think it is. I'll put it that way. Sounds good. All right. Well, um, with that, let's uh, – I was thinking we can bring in a rune and we can kind of – for the next 10, 15 minutes, wrap up the last couple of games for the Nationals. Uh, and 
let's talk about before we get into that the batting champions you know i think that that's such a cool thing here if you want to break you mentioned that robbie because actually juan soto is the youngest ever to be the batting champions what i saw yeah across my line so this dude man this no i'm not even i'm sorry i'm not even expecting this young man what he's done in the short amount of time that he's been in the league and the records that he's broke or tied or the things that he's done. I mean, even though this season is over, they finished eight games under 500. It's still, you still have something to smile about, but I'm sitting here smiling about it, just thinking about it, the potential that he has. And, you know, they're going to sign him to a long-term deal. He's still on his, uh, his deal when he signed, when he came over from the Dominican. So, I'm just waiting for them to lock, lock him down. That's one of the reasons why they didn't sign Rendon back because they knew they were going to have to sign Soto. Same thing with Robles, the way he's been playing. I can't overshadow his defense also. But Soto, that's my man, 50 grand. I, I love that kid. I, I, I love his game. I love the way he, he is at the plate. I love the way he plays at the field. He, he's a, he's going to be a great, a great one. Yeah, I, I think him and Trey Turner, you got to lock that core down, right? Because that's your next Ovechkin-Backstrom dynamic duo, right? I just love, you know, what they both bring to the game. You know, I, I, I love Trey Turner. I mean, that inside the park home run it was one of the greatest plays I saw all season out of the Nationals. I thought both of them played phenomenal. They were both, you know, tops in the charts for uh, big portions of the season in a lot of statistical categories. And uh yeah, I hope for big things for the two of them going forward. I mean, it's fine. Trey Turner is, you know, he's kind of uh, grown up a little bit, and uh, he, he's just so great. I think he's really matured and grown into himself. And uh, those two were the big bright spots for me for the national season. Uh, the, the fact is that they really – they'll always put every ounce of effort they have into it. And they make it seem so effortless sometimes. It's like I look at them and I'm like, wow, it just comes so easy to them. And – I'm just excited, and I hope the Nationals lock them up for both for a long time. No, no doubt, no doubt. And just to piggyback on trading, getting a room into the conversation, uh, you mentioned his inside the park run. We actually had an inside the park run this past week by another Nats player that I break down when we break down the game quick. But uh, Trey, I've on the record several times saying how happy I was that we got him back after we traded him away and the contributions he made during that World Series run and the World Series series. And the fact that now he's a franchise leader and lead off home runs, you know, as a net, it, it's, he's, like you say, he's a 5-2 player. He, hopefully they lock him down soon. I know he got a baby on the way. So, you know, he'll go ahead and lock him down so he can settle down and raise his family and be our shortstop for years to come. Arun, how do you feel about uh, Soto, his, uh, you know, batting, batting title and, the young, the still young Trey Turner. He looks real young, but he still is pretty young. Around what, 25, 26? Um, yeah, that was like he's the youngest player in NL history to win the batting crown since um, they've been recording the age since 1900 ever. So that's pretty good. And um, it's pretty like Howie Kendrick tore his Achilles back a couple of years ago. And that's when Juan Soto came up and he said, that's probably the best thing that's ever happened to, um, and the, for the Nats so because of that. Um, overall, just like Soto, they need to probably lock him up. It'd be nice to lock up Trey Turner. Um, Rizzo's a good GM. He generally, he let Bryce Harper walk. We'll probably get into that a little bit when we discuss the games like going forward, but 
Charlotte's playing out of his mind. He's up for an MVP, which was pretty incredible considering he missed a couple of games due to COVID. He has like the highest on base batting, like OPS since like Barry Bonds in 2004. So just for Soto, everything's looking pretty good. That's why I'm going to always count on you, Arun. You came through with all the stats that I forgot to mention, and you mentioned them all. That's, that's why I love you, man. You always got all those stats. You and Robbie, I love y'all stats. Yeah. All right, well, let's just quickly uh, break down the games, and then we can just kind of give our overall thoughts on the season, and then we can uh, – I know Brian Brennan's waiting in the wings to uh, discuss uh, the playoff picture that we're unfortunately not a part of. Yeah, you know, the sad part about this, this is the best week they've had all year, and we got to rush through it. It's the end of the season. It's crazy that it had to end that way. They ended up the week 6-2, and two, uh, ended up, as I said, eight games under 500, 26-34. They uh, won three out of four against the Phillies. Uh, excuse me, the first game was a 5-1 victory. Uh, they were doubleheaders in this, uh, both of these uh, matchups. Uh, First game, they won five and one. Sanchez earned his third victory of the season. He went five innings, giving up four hits, one earned run with four, uh, six strikeouts and four walks. Zach Wheeler took the loss. That put him at four and one. Uh, he went five and two thirds, giving up five hits, three runs, two of those earned with seven strikeouts and three walks. Uh, Cabrera had went two for three and had a RBI and a walk. Uh, the second game of the series, uh, the Nats won that one also five. I believe that was a doubleheader. Uh, Austin Vault finally earned his first victory of the season, puts him at one and five. Best outing of the season, I must say. Uh, seven innings, three hits, one earned run, seven strikeouts, and one walk. He actually uh, beat Aaron Nola, who's been on the road against the Nats lately, but I put Aaron Nola at five and four. He uh, went six innings, giving up six hits, five runs, three of them earned uh, with six strikeouts and two walks. Uh, Brock Hall went one for three with uh, RBI. Uh, double, they had the Nets had a four-run third inning, which you know, was the difference in the game. And uh, like I said, Austin, Austin Ball pitched pretty well. Uh, the next game was another victory for the Nets. They uh, won that one eight to seven. Um, this one was a little funny. Hudson gave up a home run to end up losing the lead, but the Nets had a walk-off. I believe it was the I think I forgot to write it down. I think it was a 10 or the 11. I'm not really sure. But uh, Hudson ended up earning the victory, even though he blew the save. He went one inning, gave up one, uh, one run, one strikeout with two walks. Uh, Brandon Workman, he ended up taking a loss, one, one uh, third of an inning, giving up one hit, two runs, one of them earned with a strikeout. Juan Soto went one for three. Uh, that was his 12th home run of the season. That was a three run home run. And try to pronounce this first. This was this young man's first action in the big league. He's been in the minors for, I believe, I think it's a, he's 32 for like 15 years, and he finally, the Nets called him up. And his man, Yadi, I'm going to give you, I hope you, I know one of you guys know the proper way to say it, but Yadiel Hernandez went two for four with a two-run RBI double and the walk-off home run in order to win the game for the Nets in extra innings. And the last game was a 12-3 loss by the Nets. Uh, Fetty took the loss. He went seven innings, got on five hits, three on runs with five strikeouts and one walk. Uh, Zach Eflin earned the victory. That put him at four and two. He went eight innings, giving up six hits, three runs, nine strikeouts and one walk. Uh, Trey Turner had a grand slant. Hold up. I mixed up my notes. Mm -mm -mm. That's pitiful. 
it was a loss by the next. That's uh, I wrote my notes for the next series on that. One. Uh, Arun, I'll go to you. I know you probably couldn't pronounce the young man's name. You had to walk off that I just talked about. Uh, what did you think about this series with the Nets winning three out of four and pretty much dominating this series that we like we wanted to see all throughout the season? Um, it reminded me of last year because the Phillies, the Nets eliminated the Phillies from the playoffs last year, and this year they the Phillies were in playoff position and then they ended up losing their playoff spot largely because of the series. So that was pretty interesting, like at least at that point in time. And then Bryce Harper was pretty angry in the last game of the series. He hits two home runs. Um, Yadiel Hernandez in the, that walk-off win, he's like the oldest player with his first hit to have a walk-off hit as his first hit in MLB history at 33. And he only joined the majors because he defected from Cuba like only like a few years ago. So it's pretty incredible. And some are saying it's like, it was a pretty, it was a pretty good week for the Nats. It's like, not like, I mean, it was a start of a pretty good week because it's been a pretty long season. Um, but overall good starting pitching other than the 12-3 loss, three wins is pretty good. No doubt, no doubt. Robbie, did you check out this series? Or you want me to just go ahead and sit next? Because I know you're aching to get in some NBA. I, d- I double muted myself. Um, there you go. It's an official show. Um, yeah. <laughs> it, it's happened. All right. No, uh, I don't have a whole lot to say on it. I, I catch moments here and there, but there was so much going on with the uh, N- you know, the NBA and uh, the NHL this week. Uh I, I didn't catch long stretches. I'm happy they did well at the end of the season. I'm happy that they at least tied with the Mets. So depending on which standings you look at, some have us above them due to a tiebreaker. Some have them above us because of alphabetical. Uh, but, um, you know, it's at least we're tied with them. We're not worse than them. So I will uh, – it's a silver lining with a good final week. Definitely. All right, let me wrap up the season and the final next talk of uh... – Season five, unfortunately, we were hoping it would go longer, like that great run we had last year, but it is what it is. Uh, this series they had against the Mets, they won a, a four-game series, three games to one. The first game, the Nets uh, took the loss. Mets won three to two. Um, David Peterson earned the victory. That puts him at six and two. Uh, he went seven innings, giving up four hits, one earned run, four strikeouts, and one walk. Uh, Patrick Corbin took the loss. That puts him at two and seven. Uh, I know he wanted to get this season with this season be over too. Yeah, I, I don't really know what happened with him. Uh, it wasn't all his fault. Like I say, some of the bullpen issues and some of the offensive issues he had earlier. But he was still a quality sign last year to help get the national championship. He gave up 10 hits, three runs, three strikeouts, and three walks. Uh, Edwin Diaz earned the save for the Mets. He went one inning, gave him two hits, one, one run. And one strikeout, Josh Harrison went two for two with the RBI. Uh, the second game of the series, well, this was a doubleheader also. This was a very entertaining game. I think I actually saw watch this game. Uh, the Nats won the game four to three. Man, Max earned his fifth victory of the season. That puts him at five and four. He went six innings, giving up six hits, three runs, uh, seven strikeouts, and two walks. Miguel Castro took the loss. That puts him at one and two. He went a, a third of an inning, giving up one hit, one run, a strikeout, and a walk. Will Harris earned the save, his first as a net. Uh, he went one inning, giving up one hit, no runs with one strikeout. And Andrew Stevenson went two for three with two RBIs. And uh, 
two home runs. One of those was an inside the park home run off a play where uh, the outfielder actually ran out of room and didn't uh, slow down into the outfield wall and kind of knocked himself silly. And then uh, when his teammate got the ball, he didn't even throw it in the infield. He was concerned about his teammate. So uh, it was pretty much an uncontested, uncontested inside the park home run. He definitely uh, showed some nice signs at the end of the season, Andrew Stevenson. He uh, was all over the score sheet this last past week, but when I looked up all the stats and everything. So, like I said, we have plenty of, you know, ammunition in the, in the tank for this team to continue to be good and hopefully get back to another World Series. Uh, the next game of the series was a Nets win also, 5-3. Uh, Sanchez earned the win, which puts him at 4-5. and five. He went 5 in the third, gave him four hits, three runs, three strikeouts with one walk. Uh, Priscilla took the loss and puts him at one and seven. He went three innings, giving up eight hits, five runs. Three of those earned well, three strikeouts and one walk. And Daniel Hudson earned his 10th save of the season, going one inning with no hits, giving up one strikeout and one walk. Uh, Trey Turner went two for four in, uh, in that game with a solo home run. And the game that I was given the stats for when I was mentioning before, the Nets won the last game of the season, last game of the series, 15 to five. Austin Ball earns his sec second victory of the season and went five innings, giving up nine hits, four runs, and uh, with four strikeouts. Steph Lugo took the loss. That puts him at three and four. That uh, He had gave up five hits, six runs, one strikeout with two walks. Uh, and now the stats that I was reading earlier, Trey Turner went two for five with seven RBIs and hitting a grand slam. That was his 12th home run of the season. Uh, Stevenson went two for four with three RBI with a two-run RBI double. Uh, Jan Gomes went one for three. He had a solo home run also. And that was pretty much the end of the Nets season. Ended on a good note, 15 to five. They can, you know, go home and, you know, still enjoy being World Series champion until somebody's crowned a little bit later. Uh, Room, did you catch any of this series before we get to MLB? Playoff talk with Brian, who I know is confident a bit to talk some playoff, even though we can't. Yeah, it was like a similar series to the Phillies. The Nets eliminated the Mets officially from the playoffs with they had their chances. And then um, Scherzer, he, with his win, he got an 11th consecutive like season in a row with a winning record. That's like the highest active tied with Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, Stevenson was great to those two home runs. Uh, Trey Turner, he had a couple home runs in this series. Overall, it's like more of what we wanted to see the whole year, but nice. It's at least the Nats have something to look forward to. They're bringing Turner, at least Soto, and um, Hudson, Scherzer, and Corbin back next year. They'll probably have a lot of other changes with like Doolittle, Hendricks, um, being free agents among other players and Davey Martinez got his extension which was pretty good and like and um that was like before the Phillies game and he said we got DeGrom and Porcello Porcello threw one hitter earlier in the year against the Nats so that was his only win of the year so it's just been that kind of oh, year yeah, that's right. yeah. <laughs> yeah I remember you know he had like a 15 game losing streak so it's like I mean, it's nice that the Nats are playing well. Unfortunately, with this short season, it's too little, too late. But at least we have that to look forward to next year. 
Yep. No doubt, no doubt. Robbie, why don't you go ahead and bring in Brian so we can start talking about this MLB playoffs and this crazy day of baseball that we're going to have coming up. Sounds good. And yeah, I mean, the, the memories will last forever. We will enjoy them as World Series champions uh, in our minds. That will, you know, I still can't believe that we were able to do it last year. And uh, I think that, you know, Brian was mentioning this and we were talking about this last week that they're kind of an on-again, off-again team a little bit. So maybe this was just their off year, and maybe next year they can come on strong in a full season again. So a lot to be looked forward to uh, for the Nationals and National fans. But, yes, Brian, I know you're very excited. Uh, the Yankees are coming um, into the playoffs, and uh, they are definitely a team to be reckoned with. There's going to be a bunch of different matchups. Uh, I'm just going to read the matchups real quickly, and then I'll let you kind of um, – uh, break some of them down with us. Um, so as Carol was uh, putting in, in the graphics, um, Mon- Wednesday is going to be an incredible day. You share this tweet with me. Um, it's going to start with Cincinnati at Atlanta at 12 o'clock on ESPN. And then Houston at uh, Minnesota at 12 p.m. That's on ESPN2. Then at 2 o'clock, Miami uh, at the Cubs on uh, ABC. And then at 3 p.m., the uh, Chicago White Sox at Oakland on ESPN. And then uh, Toronto at Tampa Bay on TBS at 4. St. Louis Cardinals at San Diego Padres at 5 p.m. on ESPN2. The Yankees are at Cleveland on ESPN. And uh, um, the uh, Milwaukee, yeah, against uh, the Dodgers are on ESPN at 10 p.m. So it's eight baseball playoff games in a single day, a record that has never happened before. Um, and so my understanding is all of those ats are going to be the home teams for all three games. Is that correct? That is correct. There is no uh, travel during this series. All three games are going to be played at the same ballpark, whoever's the higher seed. So the Yankees are the lower seed. That means there will be correct. a win for all three games. Yes, they're going I'll- to Cleveland. Yes. Does that make you nervous to play a three game, you know, where you have to win two of those in Cleveland or how do you feel about that? Uh, I mean, just talking specifically about the Yankees series, I am pretty nervous, uh, especially because the Yankees did not play great baseball down the stretch. They were a very Jekyll and Hyde team all season. They had like one stretch where they were 16 and six and then one stretch where they went five and 15 and then followed that up with a stretch where they went to 10 and zero, and then followed that up with a stretch where they went two and six. So you don't know which team's going to show up. Plus, not to mention, uh, yes, Garrett Cole is starting game one for the Yankees, and he's obviously an incredible pitcher. But um, the starter for Cleveland is going to be Shane Bieber, who is likely going to win the AL Cy Young Award. He won the Triple Crown of pitching this year. So uh, I am very nervous. And also not being able to play at Yankee Stadium is going to be a problem too because um, the Yankees were great at home all season but really struggled on the road. So I don't know what to expect going into this series. Uh, I, I, to answer your question, yes, I am nervous. Yeah, well, I got a, I got a follow up question just because um, it, it's an interesting scenario. These three road games is that just because of COVID this year, or is this the new way that the playoffs are going to be going forward? Well, uh, there were a lot of changes to baseball this year, and you know the expanded playoffs were one of them. And a lot of people are kind of viewing this as like an experimental year for baseball. So. They're going to, I think they're going to figure it out like after the season. If it's going to be an expanded playoff, if we're going to keep the wild card round. And then I'll be interested to see if they do keep the wild card round, will they keep it a best of three? 
And if they do keep it a best of three, will it all be at one site? I don't know if that's particularly fair. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't really know to be, to be honest, like what they're going to do after the season with all these rule changes, like the universal DH and the runner on second rule and this expanded playoffs. Right. And the double headers that were shorter. Double headers. Yeah. So, yeah. So the double header. Yeah. I think they should keep the double header. Thing, I right? agree. I yeah. agree. Yeah. I think that that's the right amount of time for two baseball games in a single day. I think it, nine innings twice is a lot of baseball. Yes. I mean, even for baseball enthusiasts, I think, you know, I think that's a lot. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I could watch nine innings of baseball. No, no, nine innings, but 18. I mean, yeah, I mean, nine I, innings I times two. I've with nine innings. I've done it before, so I'm not really tripping. But it, it does make it more convenient, and it does, you know, give a little bit more intensity to both games because you know it's only seven innings. Right. So um, that'll it'll be interesting for sure. Arun, are any of the matchups, uh, you know, I've sort of quickly went through them, but did anything sort of stand out? in your mind uh, or any of the teams that have made the playoffs that you think are interesting that you wanted to follow? Um, I guess like Yankees versus Cleveland's interesting. And I, and then the Astros are back somehow, even though they lost Cole and Verlander. Um, I wonder how they'll do without the trash cans or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. I was expecting it from Brian. <laughs> yeah, we threw you a curveball. There you go. Um, but, but anyway, the uh, uh, well, I'll ask Brian: is is there anything, any other series that you're also following? That uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the other series in the AL, I think, look, that's kind of interesting is the um, the Athletics and the White Sox. The White Sox are back in the playoffs for the first time since 2008. So uh, I'll be interested to see how they do. They have Jose Abreu, who's probably the MVP. And then in the NL, uh, I'll be interested to see this Cardinals-Padres uh, series as well because the Padres have been in the news all season. They've been, a lot of people are paying attention to the Padres this year because they're very flashy, and they, uh, they, don't, they just do not care about the unwritten rules of baseball. So there's a lot of people who are really watching the Padres and paying attention to them this year. But, you know, St. Louis got in on the last day of the season. So um, we'll, we'll see how they do. They obviously have a postseason history as well. I'm interested in those two series, I think. Right. And, and overall, are you happy about this expanded? At least I know it's just a demo, a test of a year, but is it something that excites you or is it something? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think, I, I think I do like it. Honestly, I actually tweeted this morning that um, the rule changes, all of them are actually starting to grow on me now that I've had a, like I've seen them in action for a little while, they're starting to grow on me. And if they do decide to keep them, I'm okay with it, honestly. Like I, I, I'm kind of used to it now. And um, if this is how the playoffs are going to be in the future, I guess I'm okay with it. Which is not something I could have ever imagined myself saying at the start of this season before all this happened. So, yeah, I kind of like it, honestly. Yeah, Rue, what do you think of the format? Um, the format. I think I like the format. Um, I just would like the robot umpires to be instituted. Get rid of the bad umpires. <laughs> um, yeah, and I don't know. Like, yeah, the seven innings is probably. I mean, it's a good change of pace. I don't know if they'll keep doing it, but it'll be interesting to see going forward. Right, Kara. What are your thoughts on uh, the expanded playoff format? Uh-huh. I'm not sure if we can use it going forward. I mean, for this situation, I mean, that's a lot of teams and a lot of baseball for the playoffs. But, I mean, I'm going to wait and see how it goes. 
I mean, it's always good to have more teams, more excitement, more playoff, which is a bonus. But I want to go back to the team that Brian was speaking about, San Diego. They have really surprised me this year. I haven't really been watching closely, but they're kind of like a second team that I, you know, I like. And with Tatis and uh, 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 Machado. Machado. Yeah, I, I was never a Machado fan when he was in Baltimore. I think I was in Baltimore. But he's uh, done some good things out there. He's been you know, mature, really has had a couple of, I think he had a couple of little issues this season, you know, with personality stuff. But other than that, like you say, they don't follow the unwritten rules of baseball. You know, they had the controversy about Tatis hitting uh, on the 3-0 pitch when he hit a home run, uh, Grand Slam when the game was already out of hand. But, I mean, if you see him throw a 3-0 fastball right down the middle, what you supposed to do? Hmm. Just swing it yeah. I never understood why they were upset about it, but I'm really going to be watching San Diego to see what they do because I think it's, I think they're really going to be an interesting matchup going forward. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with you. I I, I really like I you know I think you can make a case for both Machado and Tatis being the MVP. And it's probably they're probably going to help. They're probably going to split some of the votes, honestly. And um, same thing with the Dodgers. It's too many players who can win the MVP. But you can really make a case for both Machado and Tatis being MVP candidates. I think Freddie Freeman's going to win it overall. But they they both had great seasons. And, um, yeah, I think a lot of people – it's weird that a team from San Diego is attracting this much attention. But the Padres <laughs> are in the news a lot. They're in the news almost every day for something to do on the field. So hopefully they, uh, we'll, I, we'll see if they keep it up. We'll see if the Padres go on a nice run here. No doubt. No doubt. So I know we ran a little over with, uh, no, no, I, I think we're right on time. Actually. That is perfect. Okay, well, Hey, it's always a good thing. So I'm going to go ahead and get ready to buy a while that you guys talk some NBA playoffs and I'll sit back and chill before, uh, we talk to watch some football in the top of the hour. Sounds good. Thank you, Carol. And, uh, all right, we're going to bring in our next guest at DC's People's Champ. And uh, nice. I like the dramatic opening. You're going to have to unmute yourself, though, Champ. There we go. Well, I thought I did, but I guess I did. What's <laughs> up? Hey, no problem. Yeah, good, good. I like the Washington football gear. The um, uh, the, the new uh, – I, I don't have any new gear. I need to get the face mask. I thought that's going to be iconic. That's going to be a piece of history uh, for a long time. And yeah. um, the I, I love the championship belt as always. Um, how are you doing today? I'm well. I'm well. It's a, It seems like everybody's having a case of the Mondays except me. My Monday was actually pretty chill for once. Yeah, I, I actually had a really good Monday too. I'll, I'll take the the day off, even if it's uh, for not, of course, the happiest of reasons, just in the Jewish religion. But I'll, I'll take it regardless. Um, and uh, how are you doing with that, Robbie? You good? Yeah, I'm good. I didn't. I didn't fast. I didn't do any of the things I was supposed to do today. So I, uh, you know, I was, I'll, I'll be a hundred percent real. Uh, Black Jew. <laughs> Black Jew P would be so disappointed in you, Robbie. You know he would be so disappointed in you. I don't know. Maybe he would be. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I, I, I've always been very, very Jewish uh, in certain things, but not, not in everything. So um, Jew- Jewish adjacent. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, I do enjoy my shellfish and I do enjoy eating today. So, you know, it's one of those things that, <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things that happen. All right, we're going to bring in our next guest here. We got uh, Tim Clark, uh, who's uh, part of our uh, roundtable. I think he's still logging in. There we go. I'm here. 
Hey, you go. Hey, hey, guys. How are you doing? Good, good. Am I just on time? Late? You're just on time. No, you're perfect. Okay, we're, we're, we're all in at 740, top of the time. It's awesome. All right. Well, let's... Uh, Let's talk East first, since East kind of wrapped up yesterday, and then we'll uh, talk West. So we're going to break down how we uh, kind of got to it, um, the NBA Finals, that is. I'm going to pull up uh, all of the games just so I get the, the scores correct. But uh, it's been an interesting – both series were great. I, I enjoyed uh, both of them immensely. Uh, I was worried that they might be short series. Uh, I thought that the West was obviously a little bit shorter – uh, then maybe I would have liked, but the result was the way I wanted, so I, I can't complain too much. Um, and uh, this uh, Heat Boston series was a bit back and forth. Um, you know, Boston taking the first two, uh, and then uh, they, uh, sorry, sorry, uh, Miami taking the first two, and then they lost uh, the third one to Boston. Uh, so that's kind of where we were at the end of the last one. And they repeated doing the exact same thing this week, had a two in one week. Um, and that obviously gives them the 4-2 uh, victory in the series. The three games that happened this past week were Wednesday, September 23rd. Uh, Miami won 112-109. to On Friday, September 25th, uh, they lost to Boston 121-108, uh, to and Boston was able to win the clincher yesterday 125-113. to uh, so I'm going to go around the group uh, and get their takes on the Eastern uh, Conference Finals. Uh, we're going to start off uh, with – we'll start with DC's People Champ. I know this is his uh, favorite series to talk about, so go yeah. for it. Listen, call me Nostradamus. I said it was going to be Heat and Six. Nothing against the Heat. I just figured that Boston was not going to go away and not going to go away quietly, and they didn't. What I noticed from these last three games, number one, is Tyler Hero is a hero for that team. He averaged about 23 points these last three games, including that 37-point explosion he had uh, in game four, in which he came off the bench. He wasn't a starter. He was off the bench and scored 37 points. I kept saying his name, Tyler Hero. That's going to be a kid you're going to keep an eye on for the next few years because he's, he's got it. He's got it. He's a shooter. He plays well. Um, the other thing, again, is that Miami is just a complete team. They're such a complete team. They don't rely on one or two guys to score. You can see that from their performances. So this was a series right here that was very defining for the, for the Heat, for, for Eric Spolstra, and showing how, well Eric, how good of a coach Eric Spolstra is to take a team of not really big, big, big stars, but somewhat stars, and turn them into a team that can contend for a championship. So good on, good to Eric Spolstra. Boston had a good run, but they just ran into a team that was too complete and too together to be stopped. That's all it was. Yeah, for sure. Arun, what were some of your thoughts on this series? Um, I also picked the Heat going in, but it was like, a, I think the first couple of games are really close. And Boston, I thought probably should have won either game one or game two, like at least one of those games. But then after that, it wasn't like then Miami just kind of really took over like Tyler Hero, as you mentioned, with 37 points. That's like or 38, I think. It was like the most. It was 37. Um, 37. OK. Yeah. It was 37. Um, then like that was like the most other than that's like Magic Johnson as a rookie. Um, somebody on the 76ers had 30 plus points coming off the bench. I forget who it was like in the 1980s. And then. 
Um, Bam was ridiculous. He had, like, after, like, a pretty disappointing game five, he came out on fire with 30-plus points. Um, the, the Celtics, they were, like, I don't know what was really wrong. I think they got a little too isolation heavy in the fourth quarter in that game. They had a five-point lead, and then they were down by five, and they are doing a lot of hero ball. Marcus Smart took, like, 20-plus shots. Those shots should be going somewhere else. Gordon Hayward had a good game four, but he was pretty rusty game five and game six. I don't think he really helped them. It'll be interesting to see what Boston does going forward. But Miami, as Ken mentioned, they're like a complete team. And they just like go to the hot hand. Andre Iguodala was the hot one. He had shot 100% from the field, 100% from three, and of course, 50% from the free throw line. Just like, the, I mean, Boston definitely had the talent, but they just need to get over that hump. It's three conference finals in four years, but they just come up short every time. Yeah, Tim, what are some of your thoughts on uh, the Celtics and them coming short? Well, what, one thing that I thought was really interesting, especially the, the last three or four games of the series, is um, although Miami is a really deep team and they played a lot of guys throughout the year in the first couple rounds, um, they essentially just played a seven-man rotation. Um, their eighth guy is Solomon Hill, uh, only plays three or you know five minutes a game, so – they go very small. Um, they really rely on those seven guys. There's really not even a center unless you count Bam as a center. And so um, the Celtics countered and had a strong game five because they, they they got a lot out of a lot out of um, Enos Cantor because he was able to dominate a little bit inside. And um, although he he didn't play nearly as well in game six and played a lot less. So you got to give, you know, a lot of credit to the coach, also the GM for picking up rookies like Nunn and Hero in the same season. And um, also Spolstra is able to kind of tinker with his lineups depending on the, the matchup. And a guy like Kelly Olnick, who's pretty important and plays big minutes, um, got a lot of um, do not play coaches decisions. So um, it was just interesting how they how they shortened their bench like that. And then for Boston, too, I mean, it, it's true. They they really did play way too much hero ball. You saw a lot of uh, threes pretty early in the shot clock that they might go in, but um, generally not high percentage shots. And um, it, just the way that every game was close, and you could argue that Boston deserved to win pretty much all of them, but – it just seemed like in the fourth quarter during winning time, um, the Heat and their hero who was born in like 2000 or whenever it was, were cool, calm, and collected. And so maybe that's the coach. Uh, maybe it's just the Heat have slightly better players. But as a Boston fan, you have to be really disappointed because it, it was a very close series and could have went the other way. But um, Heat, Heat are marching on, so. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I felt kind of two ways about it. I mean, obviously, I'm going to root for the Lakers over whoever was going to make it. But that historic rivalry of Celtics versus Lakers, part of me did want that to come back just because I know in the past, uh, some of the greats have said that you're not a true Laker legend unless you beat the Celtics. I mean, historically, that's kind of been true. I thought it'd just be kind of a cool thing to have uh, LeBron have, you know, if he was able to take the Lakers over the Celtics, just to kind of continue that, you know, history. Um, but it's obviously interesting for 
uh, LeBron to go up against his old team, the one that made him a champion. I talked about that at the top of the hour. Uh, it's just interesting to see him go because remember he wasn't didn't have he got to a championship but he couldn't win it uh, with Cleveland and then he went and Miami went four years in a row and uh, it was pretty incredible and then he was able to go four years in a row with Cleveland on the back end of that and then obviously didn't make it last year and then again so nine out of the last ten years for LeBron it's gonna be really interesting to see him go against the franchise that made him his first uh, made him a champion right so. Um, also, all the Pat Riley stories are cool because he uh, used to coach the Lakers. So, way right. back when. So, um, you'll see a lot of how great he is, which is yeah. true. Right. The the Don versus you know, the King. And I've seen a lot of these sorts of uh, memes already out there. Uh, Brian, Brennan, what are, what are your, some of your thoughts on uh, Miami advancing? Yeah, uh, Miami, did, you know, really shows their complete team. This series was a very close series straight from the start. I believe after game four, both teams had the same number of points through four games, yet Miami had a 3-1 lead. So they were just getting the breaks, and everything was going right for Miami. And um, no pun intended, but, I mean, there's a different hero for Miami every night. Uh, and Tyler was one of them, obviously, in, um, in game four, given the Heat the 3-1 lead with the 30-plus points and just an incredible shooting game. Crazy to think how young he is, and he's just balling out in the NBA playoffs. He's the first player – from the born in the two decade of the 2000s and the 2000s millennium to play in the NBA finals, which is crazy. And um, yeah, the heat just have a complete roster. You mentioned Iggy as well. Another great performance from him as well. Um, a really great showing from them. Um, I'll be interested to see, see how the Celtics off season goes. I think they'll be back next season and strong in the East because, you know, the East really still has a lot of question marks, but um Miami, I'm very impressed with. I, I'm, I think they're the right team to represent the East in the finals. They've been just great since they've come to the bubble. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, they still haven't lost back-to-back games yet in the bubble. So, um, yeah, they've been the best team in the East since since the bubble started, at least. Right. No, they've really kind of come out of nowhere, but I think they're the true, complete team. And I think in these sort of scenarios where it's just really strange and unlike any other season, I think if you can bond together and be the best teams, and I think that eventually the two best teams rose to the top. Um, And uh, it's interesting because I think for the Lakers, you'd always think you'd have to win through LeBron, but they're really playing through AD and doing some interesting things that are different. It'll be interesting to see if the length of the Lakers gives the heat some uh, fits, but uh, let's break down how the Lakers got there. And then I'll get all of your takes at the very end about how you see the series going, uh, or at least through the first three games, because we'll preview kind of the first three games. And then next week we'll recap those and talk about the next set of three um, for the, the Lakers series. Uh, when we last left off, uh, Den- they had won both of their games on Tuesday. They actually lost to Denver 106 to 114. Uh, then they were able to come on strong again on Thursday and Saturday. They were able to win 114 to 108 and 117 to 107. Uh, AD playing very well. LeBron, you know, playing a great team game. Uh, just really kind of impressive throughout. Brian, I'll let you start with this one. Uh, what were your thoughts on uh, the this series? Well, um, Denver definitely didn't quit at any point in this series. Um, when they were down, when they were all down three one, I think uh, we all had the same thought that maybe they were going to have another comeback here. 
but the Lakers were just too strong. I mean, they showed it. Uh, and the, the, they really put them away in both games four and five, um, leaving no doubt, in my opinion, who the better team was. Um, Denver will be back. Grant had a great game for them in game five. Uh, he's going to opt out and be a free agent. We'll see if they bring him back. And Jokic, of course, and Murray both kind of struggled. The Lakers kind of slowed both of them down a bit in this series, which is the key. Because you slow down their two best players, you pretty much slow down the rest of the team. But, um, yeah, Lakers are – like like I said about the Heat being the right team out of the East, I really believe the Lakers are the right team out of the West. They've been the best team in the West all season, even before the bubble, even before the pandemic. So, um, they deserve to be here. And, um, you know, LeBron, incredible. You know, this is, I believe, his 10th finals appearance, which is just crazy. He's been in just about every finals for the last decade, except for last year. Uh, what can you say? The guy is – one of the best players of all time, unquestionably. Right. And it's a guy that I didn't – I found myself rooting against through his history. And now it's weird to be on the other side, you know, rooting for him because he always played in the Eastern Conference, you know, against teams that the Wizards don't like or have history or whatever. And now here he is playing for my favorite team in the West. And I'm like, oh, man, it's, it's it was tough. But ever since, you know, what happened to Kobe uh, and he said all the right things, he's really made me pull for him and – I really like the idea of seeing uh, AD come out of his shell. No, I mean, he's always been amazing, but like to really the, t- to take it to the next level, the superstar level and be able to play an off LeBron like he does. And uh, he tried to carry so many teams in his past, but he just couldn't do it. Just it, it wasn't quite enough. And he needed a team around him. And LeBron has been a bit the same way where I feel like LeBron has balled out a lot. Of, I mean, his finals numbers are pretty good even though historically he doesn't have a whole lot of wins. I mean, he's been to 10, as Brian said, in I think the last 13 years. And the reality is he's only won three of them. So he needs to play a team game to find a way to win, especially against a good team like Miami. Uh, um, I just want to say, like, yeah. all the competition LeBron – got to think about the competition LeBron's faced in the finals too. He's play, played all-time great Spurs team, all-time great Warriors team. It's been really tough for him in, in these final matchups. Uh, the only one you can really blame on him, the loss you can really blame on him is the one against Dallas. But, um, yeah, this, right. we'll see how this matchup goes for, for him. We'll see how this one goes. Yeah, he hasn't been favored in very many finals. To, to speak yeah. to what you're saying, you know, which is crazy when you think about how great he was, I would say that he had much harder competition in, in a lot of ways than Jordan did during his run for his six uh, championships. I think Jordan went through some tough teams. I don't want to you know, downplay – you know, those jazz teams at all. But uh, at the same time, those, the Warriors teams were talked about being one of the great, I mean, you go to five finals in a row and, you know, the, the you know, team, the matchups that they make, obviously are very tough. Arun, what are some of your thoughts on uh, the Western Conference finals? Um, yeah, like this series, like I think the 3-1 comeback was kind of in play before Jamal Murray got injured, then it was pretty much it was finished. Like whatever hope there was, they cut the lead down to three points going into the fourth quarter. But even then, like the Lakers, I think they probably wouldn't have folded either. But it was like an interesting matchup because, like, I don't know, like Jokic was fouling like crazy. Like I think he committed a lot of mental errors. So I think that edge was going to the Lakers. And overall, it was just a, a pretty good series. Like. Game two was the one that could have gone either way, and that Denver can't keep falling behind 3-1. The Lakers, I think, yeah, they're – I'm really impressed, like, going into the season, like, not making the playoffs the previous season. That's a really big accomplishment 
like Miami, they didn't make the playoffs either to make the finals. And Anthony Davis has been like, as you said, Robbie, the go-to player, like that's pretty impressive with like his first um, year in the Lakers. And um, yeah, what more can you say? It's like Dwight Howard is like the four former wizards on the uh, the Lakers, which is pretty weird. And um, it's just, uh, I mean, it's, uh, shout out to the Lakers. A lot of them weren't picking them before the season, but Vegas was right. They picked them, and they're in the finals. Yeah, it's interesting. All right, we uh, have just a couple of minutes left, so I'm going to allow uh, Tim and DC's People's Champ to give their thoughts on that series and uh, what their thinking is, uh, how the first couple of games are going to go in this upcoming series. So I'll start off with Tim. Uh, what are uh, some of your thoughts uh, on both those things? Yeah, I think quickly on the Western Conference Finals, Denver can hold their head high. Um, Murray hasn't made an all-star team, but he definitely will. And um, people are going to know his name now and really pay attention. I think they, Arun touched on this, but the foul trouble to Jokic really killed them. Um, In games where Jokic plays 35 or 40 minutes, they win a lot more often. But he, he does... He does a lot of stupid mental mistakes on the defensive end and gets fouls early. But when he plays, you know, he's he's vital. He's a great offensive player. So that was a, a, a big, you know, big issue with them. And also just one, one thing that really impressed me with LeBron, you know, we talked about his offense and um, all the times he's been in the finals. But at the end of game four, when it was really close and the Nuggets had a chance to tie it, 2-2, he took on guarding Murray at the end, like three or four possessions, and he shut him down. I mean, this guy who's much smaller, maybe quicker, and he, you know, guarded him like one of the best point guards could. So I'm really impressed. Um, and then in the finals, just for a quick preview, I think I can't I'm, – I'm tempted to pick the Heat, but it's not going to happen. I think Lakers probably in six games – um, I think the Heat will make it close, and I think they'll steal one of the first three games because that's kind of how the Lakers usually go anyway. But I still pick them. I think they're too deep. Um, and when you look at the bet, you know, you look at the the starting five. It's just it's a little bit stronger than Miami. So um, that's my that's my pick. Right, DC People Champ. What are your quick thoughts on those things? Real quick, two things. One, AD does stand for Anthony Davis, but it also stands for all day because he was making buckets all day, especially from beyond the arc. That's gonna be he's gonna be dangerous in this in this final series. And number two, like I said before, Denver is a very scrappy team. They showed how scrappy they were. They were able to take one from this very tough Lakers team, but they couldn't take more than that. And that's why we are at where we at now with the Heat and the Lakers. Andre Iguodala in his sixth straight NBA Finals appearance. LeBron his ninth in ten years. I mean and. Iggy can is known been known to be able to lock down LeBron in the playoffs. I'm not gonna pick the Heat. I almost got swayed towards the Heat on this one, but I'm sticking with I think it's gonna be Lakers, and I'm gonna agree with Tim Lakers in six because I think the Heat can definitely take two from the Lakers. Um, but I think that the Lakers ultimately win the series. Right. For for the record, I also have uh the, the Lakers in six, although I wouldn't be upset if it went seven just because I would enjoy that. Uh, I'm rooting for the Lakers, but I'd like it to be a good series. Uh, Brian, your quick uh, predictions. 
I mean, I was going to pick Lakers in six, but everybody else beat me to it. <laughs> well, I mean, um, I think we could, we could all be in agreement. It's not like there's like a set number of people who can say that. So. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, I, I think this will be a competitive series. I, I, I don't see it as a sweep or anything like that for the Lakers, but um, I, I do see my, like, like Tim said, I think one of the first three games, Miami, really, if they want any like real chance to win the series, I think they have to steal one of the first two, to be honest. But um, if I do see them winning one of the first three games at least. And uh, I just think the Lakers are going to be too strong. And I uh, just want to give one shout-out to Udonis Haslam, who's now been in uh, every finals the Miami Heat have ever been involved in, including their first finals appearance back in 2006. So um, Udonis Haslam deserves a shout-out as well. And um, I think I said this in our chat, but uh, this final does have Antetokounmpo and Leonard in it. It's just not the ones you think it is. <laughs> 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 all right arun your your final quick thoughts uh, and then we'll uh, and also maybe your goodbyes as well since we're trying to since it's already eight o'clock um yeah just i'll be the contrary and i'll pick the heat and six i don't know <laughs> and then um my final thoughts are i'm looking really looking forward to this washington football team game against the ravens maybe we'll see it'll be a great matchup and if rg3 plays like he will then it'll be a great matchup for the Ravens and let's see what happens. <laughs> Thank you, Arun. I appreciate it. All right, Tim, uh, your quick uh, uh, final message and uh, good luck to your Ravens tonight. Yeah, I'm really excited for Monday Night Football. Um, even if the Ravens lose, I think it's going to be a great game. I'm also excited to talk about, like, like Arun said, the uh, WFT Ravens matchup next week. I do think RG3 will play, but I think it's going to be in like the kneel down at the end, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. Right. That sounds good. Yeah. yeah I don't talk about it next week. Yeah. I, I will remember across the board, everyone pretty much picked the Ravens um, in this one. So I, not many people took, you, you uh, never, well. you never know. I mean, they could, uh, I mean, last week we all picked them to beat the Browns except for Arun and Arun was the only one that was right. So, although I picked them in the pick em league, to lose because I just had a bad feeling day of, but Arun had that foresight weeks in advance. So yeah, he's he's got to make it to two and fourteen somehow. Right. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> All right, Brian. Uh, well, thank you, Tim, so much. Yeah, good luck good to your night, team. Guys. And uh, Brian, final thoughts, and uh, I'll let you go as well. Let's go Yankees. That's all I have to say. Let's go Yankees. <laughs> Beat Cleveland. Have a good night. That sounds good. And. Um, uh, DC's People's Champ. Let people know what's happening on No Spots. Oh, man. Well, we just put out a podcast today uh, covering nights three, four, and five of the G1, the review of that, plus six, seven, and eight preview coming up this week. And also on the podcast, the regular podcast, we will review Clash of Champions, preview uh, TakeOver, NXT TakeOver, and Bound for, and, uh, Bound for Glory. Not Bound for Glory. It's a pay-per-view coming up for Impact. We're going to review that, too. So we got that coming for you. We'll see y'all. We'll see y'all. Sounds good. And uh, thank you so much. I appreciate it, as always. And, Dujanae, I've got you on just at the tail end of our NBA segment. I know that you are also a fan of uh, the uh, purple and gold. Uh, what, are, what are your thoughts feeling as they get back to the championship? Um, I, they're tough. Um, I do like um, – what Miami brings, they're small though. And that's gonna be uh, the thing that's that's gonna plague them is that they're small. But at the end of the day, I think they're gonna give them a run for their money, but um, probably Lakers and probably five, I think. 
I don't, I, and I think they could possibly sweep them if they're focused. But we know the Lakers haven't been focused throughout any of the series. They're going to fall out here or there um, and not give it their all. And I expect Miami to be scrappy. So it should be fun. Do you think that the Lakers will lose one of these first three and then sort of take it from there? Yeah, that's what I see. I think one of the first three games they'll lose, and just like they kind of did with Denver, probably a little sooner with Denver, uh, you know, than what they did with Denver. But I think they'll lose one, and then it'll just be Miami will be close in a lot of them. But at the end, I think uh, it'll be a takeover between AD, LeBron. Um, you know, I, I just think it's – he's on a mission, man. Um, he wasn't even, like, barely smiling at the end of that. So, yeah, I, I think it's going to be one of those deals. Sounds good. Yeah, no, it'll be interesting for sure. Um, I'll let you guys get into some Washington football team talk, but I, I figured I'd pick your brain a little bit since uh, a fellow Laker fan. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on, dude, Janae? What's up, man? Ain't nothing, man. Just uh, thinking about this past game. Uh, I don't know if you got a chance to check out my post game live I did yesterday. It's on my page. Go check it out. Uh, me and Big Hurt broke it down and just talked about the some of these uh, word and some of the stuff going around about Haskins. You know, we chopped up about this. And me and Big Hurt broke it down big time yesterday. I'm going to preface my statement to saying I'm not trying to cover for Haskins because he's a black quarterback. He made a mistake. In my opinion, this loss is on him. His turnovers swung the tide of the momentum of the game, and he was making bad decisions. He was missing targets again. He was missing open receivers again. And even though I saw some progress from the offense in the first half, I'm not seeing enough progress from him on the field. I mean, we're hearing all of these good things about how much he studies film and he saw all the work that he's put in. He saw that he's taking it serious, but something – I'm not putting the pressure on his week three, but we need to see more improvement in his game in order to shut up some of these critics, which I really don't care about. But in order to get these folks off your back and take some of the pressure off yourself, he has to play better. What is your opinion on that? You know, I know you've heard a lot of so much uh, hate for Haskins and you know some of the folks you talk to and some of the social media stuff that you see. Uh, do you feel like that's an accurate assessment of his performance yesterday? Um, if you want to assess his performance yesterday, that is very accurate. Um, <laughs> he suffered from uh, things, uh, you know, such as bad mechanics. Um, I saw your, yeah, I saw you a uh, part of it. You were talking about the the route with the tight end, uh, Logan. Uh, I think it's Logan Thomas, yeah. middle. Um, and after kind of looking at the play again, I felt one way about the play and I still feel that way, but I also can see your thing of it sailed. It did sail because of mechanics. It was also a very, very tough throw that in my opinion, you can either say he either didn't see the safety over the top or he forced it in there, hoping that Thomas would make a play, which he could have if his mechanics wasn't off also. You get what I'm saying? So I understand both sides of that. It's hard to say looking at it, whether it was clear that the safety was coming down, but there's also clear that, I mean, a Pat Mahomes or somebody would have probably taken a shot there 
and put the bet on their tight end who has that athletic ability to make that play. So um, I, I do see that the ball sailed, though, uh, along with the fact that it was a tough throw and maybe you shouldn't have thrown it. Um, he's nine games, man. Nine games he's had um, three different coaches, two that didn't even nurture the guy. Um, you know, I love all these people acting like in his first year he got so much teaching uh, under that. <laughs> <laughs> Both of them, for that matter. Um, it's crazy how they forget how Jay Gruden threw him into the Giants game with no first-team reps and no practice at all, for real. And then at the end of the game, you're going to see, see, I told you, Unreg, I wouldn't be ready even if I hadn't played with the first team that you throw me in a blowout in the third quarter. No. And, and unfortunately, that's been the narrative that folks have been chiming off of ever since that happened, in my opinion. Absolutely. And the next thing I'll go into is, you know, everybody's like, oh, well, people are just making excuses for him. Um, it's not an excuse when it's factual. Now, after that, after not having any care taken for him, not having the proper tutelage and the proper work being done from the offseason through the season so that he can be prepared and grow, he's just getting that now and then has to get that in the COVID environment that we're in right now. Um, none of that offseason work that he should have had last year that was half done um, last year, he doesn't get that this year with the full attention of a brand new coaching staff and a new system. And I tweeted this out yesterday about the fact that to me, he reminds me of Jason Campbell. It has nothing to do with his play or anything like that. But Jason Campbell would have been fine if the proper care was given. Fans killed that guy and he had no offensive line, no weapons, no help. And Haskins has new system, an offensive line that is now in shambles because your big piece has fallen. So now they're in limbo. They're all learning a new system and working together on the offensive line. And then you've got a wide receiver core that has all of two weeks worth of work together in, in, in training camp. It's not an excuse. This is what you get when you have a completely overhauled team, especially on offense, that's trying to find its way, and you're trying to bring up a young quarterback who really is now having his first year uh, within a true system and true care handled with true care and true, truly being worked with in this season. So he kind of got his rookie season scrapped. I don't care how many times he played. His rookie season was scrapped. You think they gave a crap? They knew they were on the first smoking train out of Washington well, we know how Jay feel about uh, preparing guys that's not his guys and he, how he gives them lack of practice and respect him to still be able to go out there and do his job. So, right, uh, like you said, fresh start. Rivera has him in the right mindset. You know, this is growing pains. You know, you're, you're going to have bad games. And in my opinion, like you said yesterday, I think this was his worst game as a pro. Even though he had okay numbers, this was his worst performance in all aspects of, as you said, uh, not being aware, forcing throws, bad mechanics, bad footworks, trying to force the ball in the window. It, it was just a total, yeah, like you said, I, I wouldn't have been upset after the third interception. They would have and think, think about it this way. You got a young quarterback in a situation where I felt like they were, uh, you know, the Browns were were bringing it and they were were really 
bringing it to them, and then they were putting points on the board. So now you're getting behind, and you're you know you're starting to get behind, and you, you now you're starting to panic. Things are not working, and you're trying to make a play now. But you're trying to make a play with a bunch of guys that you ain't even throw to, and timing is clear. Yesterday, timing with the receivers were was off. The only guy that he was really able to get timing with was McLaurin, and that at times was off, whether it be both of them or him. You get the forcing things, and things get out of hand for a young quarterback. And these are things that he's got to learn to keep his composure. And remember, all these things have to work from head to toe, all have to be working together. And you have to do those things right in order to be able to make plays. And and I'm sure Coach is going to uh, work with him and, and make sure that that gets done. But this is like a whole overhaul on this team. And for people to be acting like, you know what I mean? This team's been together for three years. Uh, it's it's insane. But, you know, I don't think they gave the you like that guy that much crap as they're giving Haskins. But I'm just going to put that there. Real quickly, I just I wanted to say one thing, because I, I think it's also showing how two different teams deal with a rebuild, right? So the, the Browns have been doing this for a while, right? So they've been below, they haven't been above 500 for a very long time. We saw the statistics, right? They finally broke that hump because they've been building slowly and steady to that point, right? Where I think the Washington football team has been the opposite. We've just kind of been eroding over time. We, we started from a place of greatness and we kind of just sort of eroded and then became this, you know, three win team that you saw last year. And it's going to take a while to rebuild those parts back up again, I, I would say. And people want to win now. They're like, we got a new coach. We got a new this. We got a new that. Why aren't we winning? Why aren't we winning today? Because they'll see around the league that other teams are winning now, but they didn't have the erosion factor that we're seeing. The years, the pressure put on by the fans, you know, the, the coaching carousel, the not believing in each other. And it, and it just, it wears away over time. And that's why now the Washington football team is a sub 500 franchise for the first time since the sixties. And the Browns are actually a winning franchise for the first time in five years. Right. So you can kind of see how the different directions have taken. And I, I, I just want to give fans pause, listen to what Julie said on our show last week. Right. It's not going to be an overnight solution. And I know you want it to be. We all do. I was pissed when he didn't use his timeouts the last two weeks. Even though I know fundamentally from an, out, you know, from an outsider's perspective, you're like, that's the right thing to do. Don't get hurt. You're building, whatever, whatever. Win-loss doesn't matter. You've seen progression. That You're not going to come back and win this game. As a diehard fan, you want to use every timeout. You want to burn every minute. You want every final chance at the Hail Mary. And it's tough, and you have to sort of separate that. Like, what's good for the football team going forward and what's good for the football team today? And I think too many fans struggle with that separation. Yeah, well, we all know fans are going to be fans, but it is what it is. But let me quickly go over these. Now, I went over them yesterday. I'm going to just touch on some of the numbers real quick. For Haskins, 21 for 37, 224 passing with two touchdowns, three interceptions <clears throat> with the – excuse me, with the – 58.8 quarterback rating. Uh, Baker Mayfield, 16 to 23, 156 yards, two touchdowns, and 117 quarterback rating. I think those numbers are what we would call, we've seen from Haskins these first two weeks, and both of those games were, you know, winnable. 
Now, when he's throwing the ball 37 times, at this point in the season, that's not a good look. I, I like the way the game plan started out in the first half. As I say, I saw a little progression because we saw them score points in the first half for the first time this season. We saw them actually move the ball, actually get some running yards in the running game in the first, you know, first half, which we hadn't seen up until this point so far in the season. So then we saw the the bad and the ugly in the second half with the turnovers, uh, you know, piling up. It was, you know, pretty much done deal once that momentum swung to Cleveland. And like you said, dude, you know, they were passing where he is. They were just sending the kitchen sink from different angles almost every time he dropped back. And once they got the lead, it was it was pretty much curtain. It was just sending their ears back and going. <clears throat> Excuse me, I put that on Scott Turner a little bit with the play calling because in the first half he was, you know, getting right involved, getting Gibson involved. And it's like once they started getting behind, it's like we saw Jay Gruden uh, Jay Gruden syndrome again. No type of strategy, just throw, 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 throw. No type of, you know, game plan, just Oh, we need points. We got to get down the field. Let's throw the ball. Let's throw the ball. Do you feel like that's an accurate assessment of yesterday's game? I did feel like it, um, towards the end it got a little rushed, um, and they got away from what was working best too quickly. Um, you saw Antonio Gibson, uh, J.D. McKissick, um, you know, running the ball very well. Um, you know that what they have going there. Uh, you know, had the the end around with uh, Antonio uh, Golden Gandy, so. Um, they had some things that were working, and that was enabling them to open things up and do little things in the passing game. Uh, and then they got behind a little bit, and it seems like there was a panic that set in. Um, and it was, you could see that it was a panic. Uh, it, Haskins looked rushed. A lot of the play calls looked to be uh, rush calls to, to try to get a big bang for your buck, to try to get quick scores. And, um, you know, if, if they had worked it the way they should have, uh, worked it down the field, kept and stuck with the game plan. Uh, maybe it's a better turnout. I don't think they win the game. Um, defense didn't help very much, um, you know, for various reasons, obviously. Um, but uh, I don't know if they would have won, but it definitely would have looked a lot lot better um, and palatable. And, and so, um, you know, when you have a lot of turnovers like that, it's never a good look. Yeah, I was uh... – I didn't get a chance to see the game when I was watching on my phone and I was in training to do some things. So I was hearing McClissick was having some good runs and I saw some of the moves, some of the things that Gibson was doing. Like I saw, I saw right in the game. Uh, I missed the, the drop by Gandy Golden when he was uh, that 20 yard catch that we were supposed to have that uh, they overturned. I heard it on the radio when I was in transit. But um, I don't, yeah, like you said, panic is probably the, the right word because, yeah, he, he had he had a good flow. He had an up tempo flow, and I I was enjoying seeing him grow. Also, we also have to give some credence to him too. He was in Carolina last year for what half a season, calling plays. Um, he did some nice things with Christian McCaffrey. You know, like I talked about earlier, a thousand yards receiving, thousand yards rushing, first time done, I believe, in the NFL. And um, he has some growing pains to do too. I just I just I guess because I've had to endure six years of Jay Gruden when I see that philosophy. I guess it, it just frustrates me to no end. So when I started seeing it at towards the end of the game, I was just like, uh, let me go ahead and start writing my notes before the game because it's not going to be nothing to piss me off because it's not going to work. If you weren't, if it didn't work when you were 
pacing yourself or having a good game plan and mixing in the pass a little bit too much then what makes you think that you know just trying to do something you know fancy is going to work now when the other team knows all you're going to do is pass it's like counterproductive in my opinion but i gotta remember he has to go also and you have to think about the you know with with everything that they had going on um, they got a whole, you know, everybody's trying to get on the same page. And it's obvious that the timing isn't there with the passing. I don't even know at some points that the play calling would have been bad if you, if you had the timing and had everybody, everything working together, the offensive line, the receivers, the timing with the, the receiver and the quarterback, maybe some things would have worked out better. Um, but they just don't have the timing right now. They don't have the protection right now to be able to run some of those plays. Um, and you have to stick with what what's what works, especially when you're having, um, you know, to move guys around on the offensive line due to injury. So, um, you know, there's some growing pains that are going to be the had out there, uh, right tackle. Uh, they're still trying to figure that out and the consistency there. So, I mean, there's so many factors. It's not just on Haskins, you know. Um, there's some throws that you're looking and you're like, nope. Um, and I get it, but um, there's a lot of it as a young quarterback trying to make plays uh, when you don't have the protection that you need, it's, it rushes them a little bit. Then their mechanics suffer. Um, you know, maybe if you had a full year last year and real, real work, you might not see some of these things you see uh, now. It just goes to show that the previous regime really didn't do a good job of trying to um, work with him and bring him up to speed. Uh, and really take that nurturing care with their with their first round draft pick. So here we are, and this is technically kind of his rookie season. True, true. I couldn't say it better myself. Uh, if you're checking out the Monday Night Football game while you're checking us out, uh, just started, well, not just started, 10 minutes, 43 seconds left in the first quarter, 0 0 Kansas City, Baltimore. Good matchup. I'm definitely going to be checking them out. I got homework, so I'm going to have it on the other TV with the volume down. But I got some homework to do tonight for my new job, so you know I got to do some studying and stuff. Which I hope Hassan will be studying film today to not have those mistakes that he had last uh, uh, yesterday. Because yeah, it was frustrating watching it. Because like I said on the first one, when I, I saw him throw a flat footed out, like that's trouble, and <laughs> it, it was trouble. So it's like you can see it, and I, I recall in one of uh, Coach Rivera's press conferences, he uh, said that when Hassan he sees something. Sometimes he gets happy feet, and that's when his mechanics suffer. So this is a teachable moment, hopefully, because you can fix mechanics. It's about muscle memory. It's about doing the right thing. Remember, he was only a one-year starter in college. Had a great season, but he was a one-year starter. So he has a, a, a huge learning curve that he still has to learn about playing the position of quarterback. On the play-by-play, we're talking about you know using your eyes, to, you know, trick the defender because on the second interception, he locked in on the dude the whole time and the linebacker just waited for him to throw the ball. So these are things that he has to learn. And, you know, we talk about Alex Smith, you know, how he's mentoring him. I'm hoping, you know, Alex is definitely in his ear after seeing that performance. It helps him because uh, definitely can't have another performance like that going forward. He already on the bench in my fantasy football and he's about to get cut having a performance like that. See, I, I think the, the lock-ons too were – a little combination of two things. Um, he couldn't trust some of his receivers to get open and he, cause he didn't. And the second thing, he didn't have the time, um, especially from the blind side. So he was staring some things down because he felt like he couldn't go 
uh, he couldn't go uh, to it, you know, and reach his progressions the way he needed to because he wasn't getting the time. Um, and I think uh, on those couple plays, he had gotten comfortable with Inman and, and really stared him down too much. Um, and you can't do that. He's got to be comfortable um, and he's got to learn that um, no matter what, that he has to make the right, right reads and the right throws. Can't lock in on anyone no matter what. So um, like you said, teachable moment here. And uh, these are some of the things that you're just going to experience um, this year with a team that's, you know, all trying to learn and come together and learn how to play as one collective unit. No doubt, no doubt. Um, let's see, anything else about the offense? Uh, hmm. so I, I got to give some credit to the offensive line. They did get a little bit of running when they got over 100 yards for the first time this season combined as a running unit. And they actually, except for the last play with Miles Garrett, they pretty much held him at bay for the most uh, most of the game. And he, he, you know, they have a nice front. So, but if you can keep him off the stat sheet pretty much the whole game, you got to get some credit. But I do want to call out Wes Martin. I, I know it's what, his second year and he's, uh, you know, getting thrown into the fray, but some of the, he, to me, he's taking too many plays off or his technique is flawed and he's getting beat on too many plays, which is both concerning at this point, even though it's only week three. I mean, those are things you work on in training camp. Even though you didn't have preseason, those are things you still work on. You can work on those things. And to me, he was the, to me, he was the weakest link on the line uh, yesterday. And that's why I feel like most of the pressure was coming from, like you said, his line side on that, that D gap right there between him and the center. But look who he's playing beside. True. That, a young man, and I'm not making any excuses for him, but there's one thing that, that I've always, like, and it's pretty much been proven true. You can have some guys who aren't necessarily super polished on either side. If you can have a, a center, if you can have a center and they can play by an end on either end, left or right, that that's solid, they're going to play a lot better. But now they have some deficiencies. The guy they're playing beside has some deficiencies and they're taking on, uh, you know, a monster at a, as a pass rusher and they're not always succeeding in that department. It exposes the guy inside of you, his deficiencies a lot more when you're, when that guy on the end is struggling and having to do twice as much and because he can't compensate for his own deficiencies and he can't compensate for yours. So, <laughs> you know, if you had, if you had some nice bookends, I think you wouldn't see as many of the deficiencies as you do from Wes Martin. We'll see how it goes because as the weeks go on, he should be improving now. He should be no longer that weakest link, and then it should expose that end for being what he is. He's either good or he's not. So if he doesn't do that throughout the weeks, then the two of them are exposing each other, and neither one of them are it. So um, it'll be interesting, and that'll be a thing to watch here in the next couple of weeks. Very valid point. Uh, I got a question from a room fantasy football related asking that I have Antonio Gibson on my squad. Ironically, no, I went up against him going up against Big Hurt, who I'm actually having a decent lead on tonight, but he has the rookie running back for Kansas City, who I think that's running up to know that's Tyree Hill, thank goodness. But uh, yeah, he has a rookie running back for Kansas City, but I think I'm up by like 20-something points. So I'm feeling secure unless they go off, but they're going to get the Baltimore defense. So I'm thinking I should be, I think I should be good 
for the victory and put my record at 2-1-1. That's not good enough. Because <laughs> I have Hilaire too. That's not good enough. I'm going to tell you oh, that. Man. You, you are, that 20-point lead is in jeopardy. <laughs> Foreign system is, but it's in jeopardy. So you better hope that that ball is going We're going to have a quick fancy football moment since we uh, dropped a little fancy football last week. Um, let me let me check. I have a 93 to 77 lead over my opponent, and he has Edwards Hilaire going tonight. And so, you better hope it's an <laughs> Hope it's somebody else's night because uh, if they decide to run the football tonight, he's getting his. And that 20 points is in jeopardy. Uh, I mean, it wasn't even barely 20. I, I overstated. So, yeah. Mm, now you got me worried. I, I, I was feeling comfortable now, man. Now you got me feeling worried, man. Out of the backfield, too? Come on, man. He ain't just running the ball. That's easy. See, that's what's killing me, my running back position. I, got, I had Christian McCaffrey, but he's out four to six weeks. I got Joe Mixon, who's pretty much done nothing. I know it's Cincinnati, I know, but he's done nothing. I picked up my uh, Gaskin for the Dolphins. He gave me a little something. Smith Schuster showed up, showed up this week, unlike last week. Uh, Godwin got me 12, and uh, D DK Metcalf came up big for me in that game last night. That's what gave me that nice little cushion that I'm hoping I could get through the night. Now you're going to have me watching this Baltimore game a little bit more closer now, DJ Nate. And you should. <laughs> and I'm telling you, it is not safe. Oh, man. I got to make sure I keep that on the background. I'm doing my homework. Robbie, <laughs> did you have anything to add? Yeah. Uh, I, to I, well, I, just want, I wanted to bring up the pigskin uh, pick em group that we're in, uh, just because I think it's fun that uh, you're talking about Big Hurt, and he does a bunch of different groups. And uh, we're all competing. We're all doing pretty well this week. Um, you know, we're all sitting right up there. Uh, Dujan, you have eight points. I got nine. So does Carol for the week. Uh, we don't all agree on this current game right here. So Dujan, you and I both, I believe, took the Ravens, right? And we see that Carol here picked uh, Kansas City. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens there. Ginny was like, I can't believe he takes Kansas City. That's crazy, right? Yeah. Amen. Uh um no, but but I thought that's interesting. We're all sort of at the top of uh the the lead the leaderboard for the week. I thought that was kind of fun. And uh we're right up there, all within a couple of games. And um I, I already fed my dog, but she just wants attention, you know. So <laughs> uh but uh Dijanay, what what are some of your thoughts on uh, this past week uh, in the NFL in general, real quick? Oh man, it was a uh, it was fun. Uh, it was a fun week um, to watch uh, Josh Allen. I, I really like that. Um, I really like I like him as a player. Uh, I, I really hope he develops in being a, a really quality dual threat kind of guy. Um, the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, why does Dan Quinn still have his job? I mean, I, I can't use the he can't use the excuse of uh, uh, Kyle Shanahan or, or any more excuses. The man been terrible since 28 to three in the Super Bowl. You lost two games and you had a 14 point lead. Come on, bro. Like, I don't know what Atlanta's doing, but I mean, the Clippers fired their man. <laughs> I saw, yeah, I saw Doc got fired today. Semifinals and they fired him, but Quinn still has his job. Yeah, okay, all right. Um, my last one. Oh man. Um, I, okay, my last one is funny because I really wish I was sitting with a Cowboys fan when they actually thought that they were going to come back to win 
and see how they felt this week when it didn't happen. Because you, there's, you know, it's just, it's just happenstance. It doesn't, there's no skill to that, right? Like, you know, obviously there must be some skill to blow on 14 point leads, but there's no skill to come back from that depth when you dig yourself a hole like that. Can't do that all season long um, and get away with it. And they weren't able to get, get away with it this weekend. Um, so I, I wish I was sitting with them to see the up and the, you know, the real, the real excitement and like, oh my goodness, we're going to do it again. And the heartbreak. <laughs> yeah. I'm happy you mentioned the doc thing. Cause I really wanted to get that into our NBA thing. And I just couldn't fit it in there. I, I can't believe three times he's blown a three, one lead and just, you know, but I don't blame it on him so much. I don't think it's just, a, yeah. So it's just, it's a shame that he's out of a job. Uh, Cause I think he's a great coach. Uh, I think he'll get picked up again pretty easily, even with that record. So oh, yeah. he can definitely go to a team that's rebuilding. He's definitely a great coach to rebuild and, and get the right pieces and the right thing going, you know, and he can hopefully make another run again. But, you know, I love Doc because he got my man KG his thing. So, you know, he's always been a favorite of mine. Even when he played, you know, I liked his gritty style back in the day. Well, yeah, I think he, he might take some time off. You know, he's been, you know, stressed with all the, the stuff that's been going on in the, in the outside world with the politics and the you know, climate of the, of the country right now. So I think he, he might take some time off just to spend with his family and just chill. Yeah, for um, sure. Yeah, I would too. No, that makes a lot of sense. But um, I am happy that you, you got that in there because I did want to talk about that. But yeah, it's been an interesting week for the NFL uh, in general. I, I didn't do as well as I had done last week, but um we're still sort of climbing back into it and uh the yeah that, that was an interesting one yeah i didn't have that so for sure no like if i win tonight i have first day with myself i just checked the other person he went for the ravens too so yeah kansas city just scored to make it seven to three as long as it wasn't a running back i'm happy right yeah it's uh it's true um yeah, it's interesting. Arun also picked uh, Kansas City, uh, so I see that he's still listening in. So, uh, he, uh, but I know that he, because he's friends with Tim, would not be rooting for Kansas City. But that's his. Uh, <laughs> that's his pick. Y'all not kill me. <laughs> Y'all pick one team, but then root against them when you're actually watching. I, well, I, I could never do that. I could never do that. Well, I mean, but I, who you think is going to win a game and who you want to win a game isn't always the same, right? I mean, it's yeah, just... True, true. I, I, I never, <laughs> you know, I never thought about it like that. I just look at it as like, I want my team to win. I don't... Right, so... But <laughs> otherwise, I'd pick the Washington football team every week, and uh, that would not do well for me. I, I do notice that's what you do. Years and, pick. <laughs> I, and I am the opposite, so there we get the yin and the yang. I bet against my team every week, so that way when they lose, I've got it right on pick them. I don't double lose so you know it's uh you know it's a different philosophy right so i know my dad my dad taught me at a young age always bet against your team at least you'll win something so uh <laughs> so anyway not even going to touch that <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right well um Dujanet, i think we'll uh any other news notes things people can catch you on how uh, that you want us to let us know about before you get out of here tonight um, we've got two new Saints articles up. Um, obviously, they're not doing as great as they would like, but, um, you know, kind of some of the same things, just penalties, man. Penalties and execution is a big problem for them. Uh, you can catch those, sportsjourney.com uh, podcast. We'll have a new one up, but uh, there are 
uh, a new episode's up. Uh, episode 29 is up. So if you want to check that out. And this week, we're going to do a little something different, man. We're going to touch on some, some big topics that have happened uh, in the NFL and uh, just around the sports realm and kind of talk about those things uh, this week. So it'll be, it'll be an interesting show. It'll be a little bit, a little bit different. Real quickly on the Saints thing, uh, they crushed one of my friends. She had a 14 for 14 parlay going into that game, 95K going up and was rooting for the Saints. That was last week. And uh, obviously we didn't know the result of it because it was during our show. And I was also, I mean, I, I had it, the same picks on our pick em. Um No one in our pick by the way, picked uh, Vegas to win that game. And uh, I feel for her, though, 95K so close um yeah (laughs) yeah that's that's rough that's rough but uh i look forward to uh, listening to all the great topics you have on the show and i appreciate your football coverage as always yeah thanks for having me on guys appreciate it all right take it easy bro i'll talk to you later we'll be back all right brother sounds good all right well then uh, we'll bring in our next guest here uh, Anna Knox, who's uh, following uh, the Stanley Cup Finals game uh, that's going on. And uh, she's uh, nice enough to be joining us, even if she isn't feeling 100%. But I appreciate the effort. Uh, it'll be like the flu game, you know, for uh, Jordan, you know, right? You know, or just an iconic appearance, even, you know. I wish I could the... be compared to his greatness, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll take it. She can be laid up. Still having a cocktail. I mean, I'm not yeah, out of it completely. Right. I appreciate it. Right. Yeah, the cup going. We'll talk about the cup. Um it, just as reset everybody who's watching it live. I right now have a zero zero with about nine yeah. minutes left in the first period or so, therefore. Um and uh, just to give people a scoring update, Kansas City is up six to three over the Ravens. Six thirty left in the first quarter <laughs> in uh, in that, that game. So um, yeah, it's been an exciting week uh, for hockey fans. And why don't you uh, remind people sort of uh, where we were coming from and sure. uh, how the week kind of transpired, and then we could get into a little bit of this live game as well. Absolutely. Um, yeah, talking to you guys last week, I think we all were like, well, you two were all pro Tampa Bay and I'm still, I'm still pulling for the stars in this one. Um, so last Wednesday, the bolts came out strong, literally from the beginning. I mean, it was, there was nothing that was going to stop this team. You could just see, they just had that drive. And when you look at the final, um, score of five, two, but you look at who scored. So you have, um, Hedman, Kucherov, Palat, Point and Stamkos. <laughs> and I have to say, you know, as much as, um, Tampa Bay and the Capitals are kind of this. I have nothing but respect for Stampos. He came out for, I think, gosh, two, two, two and a half minutes. Two I and a half minutes and he scores. <laughs> yeah, six shifts, I think two and a half minutes, I think is what it was. And he never came back in the second period or anything. Oh. But he just came, gave them that lift they needed, that edge they needed, and momentum yeah. that they seem to have taken, even with him now being out for the rest of Right. Uh, this series you got to wonder what it was that he could just go in and just put in you know, yeah even if they just get that win and that's the win that propels them right, right. like even if they does nothing else which i agree with the idea back to back 
I would not have played him um, maybe in the second game. But like when you're trying to roll lines to try to deal yeah. with two games, especially both these games, we'll get into them in a second, both overtime games, mm-hmm. you know, which they didn't know going into it, but it's a possibility. Right. And he would have been a very a hindrance on your team. because You can't give one player two or three minutes. You need to kind of spread it across the whole entire thing. So they did the right thing to give him the win. And then I guess, shut it down. Yeah. Um, uh, well, I'll let Carol break down that first game where he, I mean, it's amazing. Sam Coast came back. Do you have any thoughts on, on that and uh, sort of the rejuvenation of Tampa Bay there? I mean, he's a pro athlete that fortunately for this pandemic situation gave him enough time to, you know, get back healthy so he could make an appearance in the Stanley Cup finals and hopefully, you know, be able to hoist that cup. So, I mean, it doesn't surprise me, you know, when, I, when we talked about it last week, I said if he could get back healthy enough, he is going to play. And, you know, you were talking about the chemistry with the team. and that. But if you have your superstar that's fought back from the injury and you're still in, the, you know, heat of the Stanley Cup finals, I mean, as a coach, you kind of have to put that player in there. Yeah, just even if it's just an extra bench coach and you play a man down, I mean, that's got to be such a spark being that this guy's yeah. sitting here through whatever he's going through. We're all going to step up our game because he wishes he could be out here so much. He's still in the bench, you know, and so uh, that definitely gave him such Braden a huge point lift. just scored. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> nice. Wow. There, there you go. They're uh, Tampa Bay's up now one nothing. I've got 730. Um, I was looking at other stats, so I didn't actually see that. So thank you for letting yeah. us know. So Tampa Bay uh, has come out early. Dallas has been one of those teams that have kind of come back in a lot of these games a little yeah. bit, though. So uh, there's still a lot to be played. Uh, Anna, let's break down this next game that goes into overtime. It's a very exciting game. Uh, this and, was. Yeah. This was definitely. So this game four, um, you have that lightning coming back again and just – I think this is when uh, some of us were thinking um, maybe it's just not, you know, Dallas isn't just going to run with it. Um, so you have, it was, so Friday it was 5-4 and it was victory for Tampa Bay, who now then took the series 3-1. Um, but they, again, just unstoppable. They just had that momentum. They just clicked. They just looked good. Not that the Stars didn't play well because they still scored four. But there was just something about that Tampa Bay team that they just, it was like Stamkos came out, they got the ball rolling and they kept it going. So it was a good win. Um, I have heard some chirping of people acknowledging Shattenkirk. Um, I was never a huge fan when he was on the Caps, but he seems to be doing really well in, on this team. So good for him. And he's got a score and an assist. So in that game. Right. I I think none of us on this panel really were a big Shattenkirk fan. So I I will say that Um, he did not play well, especially for the contract that he was trying to get. Then New York gave him the contract he was trying to get anyway, even though he didn't play that great for us. Then he didn't live up to that contract. Right. Basically, on a minimum contract, he's playing (laughs) amazing. Right. So that happens sometimes, maybe when the pressure is off from the big contract. And, you know, New York and Washington are both uh, these big media markets where in Tampa Bay, he's not going to be. There's so many other big names on that team. Maybe a little of the pressure is off of him if he's on one of those lower lines. Right. Uh, Yeah. Oh, we thought he was overrated. Yeah. I mean, 
I don't disagree, but he did show up when it counted the most. Now, the ending was really interesting. I I mean, there was a lot of penalties in this game, especially in the third and in overtime. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some were questionable calls. Uh, Some people thought – some people don't believe that there should be a dive and a penalty called on the same play. (laughs) It's either a hook or a dive, right? Right. You kind of hook to the groin area. And they think that it's kind of a cheap way for the official to get out of uh, a power play being called or a way to, around it. Um, I don't know. Yeah, Carol, I did you see really that play? Did, I mean, I, I think it was a hook. I don't think it was a dive. I mean, right? actually, no, I, I honestly didn't see the play. But just from, you know, you're saying that it should be either one or the other. But sometimes there is a penalty. And sometimes you have a player that embellishes it so the referee will call it. And those are the ones that are like, if you see – a stick and escapes like a little bit, but then he dives like 15 feet in the air, like you know, he did it over. They're going to call an embellishment. So, I will call I embellishment. I'm fine with him. It is a bailout yeah. in a tough situation, but sometimes it yeah. is, you know, embellishment because Brad Marchand is the master of that. Now, I wish we <laughs> called him more for embellishment on some of the stuff that he does. No and doubt. He goes out and does some of the crazy stuff on ice that he does, and they don't call it nothing. I'm like, man, he, he, he and then referees pocket or something. <laughs> I'm convinced he was a former, uh, you know, um, soccer player. Like that, that's <laughs> his theatrics are are pretty uh, spot on. So he maybe he'll be a DC United player one day. <laughs> right, you don't want him down here. I'm kidding. I don't want no on him, no on no DC. I know. <laughs> yeah, no. Be careful. And, and and I'm fine with him calling embellishment. It's embellishment, or I understand what you're saying. Sometimes calling both and. Uh, it's uh it's just a frustrating i just don't i don't think that should be called but i don't there's a call in overtime that ultimately led to it that you know they said that it was hooking that i don't maybe it could have been they took him down with his other arm they didn't um right. so that's frustrating uh for sure um what were some of your thoughts on that do you think the penalties were okay or did you, did I, you I think i think i agree with you that there were a couple that i was like eh, really i'm not i'm not I'm not sure I'm, I'm on board with that. And I think especially uh, when you're, it's not either one of, you know, it's not the Capitals. So you're really starting to kind of be able to sit back and watch the game with a little less bias. <laughs> um, I, do, I don't know. I think that that was probably of the four games, the five games, that was the worst uh, calls. You know, I think they've been pretty fair and pretty okay, the, you know, the whole time. But yeah, there was something about the hooking. I yeah, I guess it just wasn't. It's just because you know when it's never just so like a hundred percent that it's uh, everyone's going to come up with something. <laughs> yeah, no, and I, I don't want to be an excuse. And I know that a lot of Tampa Bay fans. I was talking to a couple of them afterwards. Uh, yeah, they deserve the win and, and whatever. And uh, Dallas had a chance at the power play earlier in mm-hmm. overtime. It's not like they were the only team to get a power play in overtime. Right, uh, but. Uh, I still think, uh, you know, I I wish that if two officials saw things differently, they could mutually agree to go to a video review. So it's not like it's all yeah. the time, right? But I think the trail officials only sees things in one way, and then the lead official sees it very differently. Yeah. But they don't want to step on each other's toes, so they just like go with it, whatever. <laughs> and I think that sometimes, you know, people have different angles, and the game has just gotten to a point where it's so fast yeah. that I think that they you know, should have a conversation and like, maybe I saw a little bit differently. Maybe it really, it looked like a trip from my angle, but maybe it wasn't, you know, maybe he just fell on his own skates or whatever it is. Right. But um, 
just to get it right, especially in the playoffs, especially in overtime. I just uh, you, you hate for it to be decided that way. I would have preferred a five on five, like really yeah. pretty goal, right? To decide it, not you know, kind yeah. of a greasy goal that was decided in a overtime, <laughs> you know, because of you know a questionable penalty call. But you know, it is what it is, and you know, you don't we don't get to decide how these games end. And uh, they could hire us, but they don't. Right, exactly. So, all right. So this goes in. Uh, Carol, do you have any thoughts on, on any more on that game, or should we get into the last uh, game? All right, let's go ahead and get to the last game. I've been uh, watching this uh, Kansas City Baltimore game. Uh, Kansas City actually missed the extra point, so it's six three, and uh, Kansas City has the ball and driving on Baltimore with a minute left in the first quarter. They're on Baltimore with like thirty eight right now, and uh, that little running back. Uh, it's causing problems already. My fantasy football is in trouble, I see. <laughs> Yikes. All right, Anna, the last game, that, an overtime game that went the other direction. It did. Uh, I thought this was just an, a very, just as an exciting and outstanding game. Uh, I loved every part of it. Um, hands down uh, for me, not just because I'm pulling for Dallas, but Kadobin. The guy's a beast. I just love his story i love you know he's an older guy he's just you know is how he is in the locker room just his mannerisms i think he's fantastic and you have 39 saves 41 shots like and back to back like he hasn't you know this is like (laughs) oh my god like these both the goalies are you know absolutely to be respected but kadovin is just um fantastic so we have dallas scoring the only goal in the first and the bolt scoring the only goal in the second and then both teams rally to tie it up um, and going into double overtime. And I love the fact that we're having these players that um, people like I can say the people in San Jose were giving up on, on Joe Pavelski because they were just like, all right, you have it, but you're not consistent. And so when they let him go, it, was, it sucked because he was with them for so long, but he's doing so well. And I think he's like 36. Um, and Corey Perry, <laughs> like, I just, I love those kinds of stories where, you know, he, the, the ones who, the kind of the unsung heroes in this, I think um, they've proven themselves as leaders. And I, I think it's just awesome. Yeah. Um, I think, was it, uh, is it uh, Joe Pavelski, um, is he the highest scoring U.S. born uh, now in playoff history? So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he scored two more goals in this game, right? In that game, and I think I think him and Corey have winner. seven or something like that in the but, but I think overall in his career, oh yeah, uh, yeah, he got two more, and I think that put him in the number one place or something like that. So, um, but yeah, it's just really uh, kind of a cool story. I, I was obviously rooting for a game six so we could cover it tonight, right. um, but. <clears throat> just a great story overall. Uh, Carol, what are some of your thoughts on uh, this series and uh, in that game? Uh, it was definitely an interesting series, a double overtime game. I was definitely watching it, and then the one second I turned away, they score. I was like, damn it. <laughs> Set up for this long time, and then I go, I think I flip the channel over checking the stats or something. That next thing I know, I look up, they doing a the post game press. Uh, <laughs> Damn it, I missed it that cool. Just that so fast. Uh, to have it go to double overtime and Tampa have the chance to clinch the cup in the double overtime game would have been you know, nice. That's what I was thinking it was going to happen. But uh, Dallas, like I said, they're, they're a pesky team. And they, you know, they're gritty. They're hungry. They want that cup too. So, 
you know, Tampa, they better close it out tonight because game seven, all bets are all with anybody's game. Yeah. Yeah, it's a flip of the coin and whoever hustles more and uh, bounce of the puck. So Tampa better close it out tonight. If not, it's anybody's game if it's a game seven. Oh, there's a bit of a dust up here. Uh, and I find the stat is 61 goals. And I think you were right. Though. I think uh, Corey Perry was the one who scored the game winner goal. Yeah, but, uh, I'm second in every but, time. But Velsky's one to tie it up. Obviously, it was very important. Um, and uh, yeah, so. Uh, well, I, think it was, were, I think it was yeah. funny because I think in the, after um, the post-game interview, he was interviewed and they're like, hey, like you – is it uh, Mullins or something like he was tied and, and, you know, what are your thoughts on that? And he's like, you know, keep it, move on. Like next question. <laughs> so, and it, you know, you kind of just want to laugh because it's like, you sound like such a jerk, but he's, you know, got the horse blinders on, like he, they're ready to go. And this is definitely the most physical I've seen them. I haven't seen a whole lot of drop the gloves in the, not as much as I had. Uh, actually, I didn't really expect it so much with these two, but. Um, yeah, we kind of talked about it last week, how we didn't think that they were going to. And, yeah. that's, and that stayed true for most of the series, that they've been mostly on their skill. And, um, you know, I, I'm not to say that it hasn't gotten gritty and grimy at some points, but any right. in-depth series like this would have that. Uh, <laughs> but I think in, in general, it's been a fairly clean you know, the penalties are stick penalties, not mm -hmm. fighting penalties and, and things like that. So we have some breaking news in NFL history. Uh, Patrick Mahomes has just been the fastest quarterback to reach 10,000 yards, took him 34 games. He wow. just broke Kurt Warner's record, who did it in 36 games. Uh, he just hit 10,008 yards uh, already, 34 games. Wow. That's fantastic. Yeah, I'm a big fan of his. I mean, obviously, if they weren't playing the Ravens right now, I'd probably be gunning for him, but they are, so they're not. But I picked him with my little um, fantasy pool, but I have to say I have nothing but respect, even though they took out the Niners in the Super Bowl. Um, he's a fantastic athlete and just seems like an overall good guy, but that is some skill there. 10,000 yards. Good for him. Yeah, yeah already. That's crazy. crazy. Yeah. Uh, looks like... Uh, yeah, Victor Hedman uh, is going to be called for the trip there, and that, that's going to send the Lightning to the box, and the Stars will get a power play opportunity here, see if they can tie it up. Um, oh, interference is what the call is, but... It, call, uh, we'll call it what it is. Yeah, it's a, it's a stick getting in the way of a player, so you can call it whatever you want to call it. But, uh, <laughs> right, so. That's the, uh, yeah, I guess they thought more of his body got in the way, not just the stick. So, yeah, um, right. <laughs> so the uh, uh, 1.24 <laughs> left in the first period here. So this will be kind of the uh, the tail end here of this uh, period. Um, but just overall, I thought the series has been fantastic. Yeah. I don't really want it to end. I'm pulling for Dallas in this game. Uh, so I'm obviously pulling for them in this power play here. Um, just to make it fun, because we talked about it a little bit earlier. Uh, the most exciting day in playoff history is potentially happening on Wednesday. And I'd love for a game seven to be a part of it because yeah. you have the first time in history, eight baseball games in the playoffs one day right. uh, on Wednesday. Then you add the NBA finals starting on that day. And then you could potentially add a game seven in this series to that. I mean, I can't it's imagine bad. more playoff stuff happening in one day in the <laughs> history uh, of sports so like uh, it could be a really exciting Wednesday 
uh, which is a really random day for to be so excited. Yeah, right. um, but um, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm hoping so. Uh, go stars. Uh, there's a shot on gold there, but unfortunately, I did not go in there. Uh, I was a 77 mile per hour shot by uh, Tyler Seglin, uh, but it's out of the zone. 52 seconds left in this uh, power play. Only about 12 seconds left in the period, though. So they gotta get up and move here, going into the offensive zone. They do get the offensive zone about six seconds left, get it back to the point. Uh, they try to get a shot. It is blocked up high. That'll probably do it. There'll be about 36 seconds of this power play on the other side of the first intermission. So uh, a good yeah. game, close game. Yeah. Uh, Dallas has been known to – I mean, both these teams have come back plenty of times in the playoffs, and nothing is kind of off the table at this point. Not at all, especially when you when you have that Saturday game, the double overtime, you know they're tired. <laughs> and not just the goalies. And a back-to-back. So it's a back-to-back, and a back-to-back. <laughs> overtime and a double overtime. I was so like, they... and, and nobody nobody gave up. Like, I mean, they, they didn't say like, oh, yeah, okay, you know, they just, just, you know, we're done kind of thing. Like, they are fighting for this. And it's just, you know, skill hockey at its best right now. And I'm just, I'm loving it. So, yeah, I would be excited for a game seven absolutely I think Dallas is I don't think Dallas is going to go down you know I really I really feel strongly about uh Sagan and um Pavelski um making a name for themselves tonight yeah it's crazy to think that it might be 12 periods of hockey right in the matter of like three or four days <laughs> like I mean because like when you think about it, it's like three full games in two days one day off yeah and then they're back to it and if this goes to overtime I mean who knows like so that's, that's a lot crazy it is i'm like i'm tired for them yeah <laughs> it's, i think it's unprecedented in some yeah. ways in the stanley cup finals and uh did you just uh, use a covid word yeah so that's good well hopefully i'll get a chance to uh you guys on yeah i think we'll have you on at the yeah. tail end of next week's show just to break down whatever happens the rest of this game and uh if there is a game seven we could break yeah. that down quickly as well and then any of our quick hockey thoughts going into the off season um and, and uh that'll sort of be the tail end of our show we haven't really announced it yet but i think the show for anyone that's interested since we are kind of wrapping up in a couple of minutes i think we're going to keep the same format we're going to start with baseball playoffs to start the show then uh, continue with the NBA finals talk and then start it with uh, football talk to start the second hour, keep it in its normal time slot and then end with some hockey talk as this has worked out well, um, at least on, on our end. And so um, uh, we really appreciate Anna, you coming in and uh, breaking it down with us. And I've been enjoying to be able to talk a little bit more hockey and yeah. chip capitals with you uh, and uh, sort of breaking Ditto. it down. Uh, Carol, any final thoughts before we wrap up this hockey segment? Um, like I said, it was good to have, you know, Stanley Cup Finals. Unfortunately, Capitals aren't in it, but it's definitely an entertaining series. Definitely with some good hockey plays. Maybe the double overtime game, what more could you ask for in a Stanley Cup uh, elimination, you know, game. And unfortunately, like I said, I moved to Tampa. So, you know, hopefully they can close it out tonight. And uh, like I said, I got homework to do, so I really can't watch too closely. I just got to keep getting updates every now and again. So I got a homework to do after the show is over. So, like, All right. Oh, nice. Well, yeah, make sure you do all your homework. 
and uh, this for, former teachers on this end and yeah. this current teacher yeah. down here so carol what are your priorities tonight? <laughs> right so. yeah, I, had, I, had, I got out of training came home prep for the show doing the show and as soon as i finish the show i'm gonna eat my dinner and i'm going to do my home boom okay good. committed there you go i like it showing yeah. initiative right so. carol, by the way congratulations on the new job yeah congratulations thank you like i said if anybody needs a new honda saturday i should be on the lot so come holler at your boys hey. There you go. Nice. I've uh, when I was in high school, I had a Honda, and I really liked it a lot. So I'll, I'll give a shout out to Honda Civics. So. I have a Honda Pilot. So oh, there you go. Honda. There you go. We have. <laughs> Come on down. There you go. If you need a brand new one, you know, we know who to talk to. So that's awesome. Uh, yeah, that I'll just tell you in that. Let us get on that. So <laughs> <laughs> no problem. I'll let it know. Right. Right. Exactly. The perfect time. <laughs> exactly. uh, so the the. Um, but uh, we really enjoyed having you on, Anna, and we'll have you on uh, next week. Yeah, looking forward to it. Take care. Stay healthy. My gosh, don't get, I don't know, whatever this is. It's, I think it's just allergies, but everyone's yes. like. Feel, feel better, for sure. Yeah, you can like, come with a little bit more spark. All right, thank well, you. Brought, you brought it anyway. You, I, yeah. it, was a, it was a championship performance in our book. So. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> there we go. All right, I'll talk to you guys next week. <laughs> All right, bye. All right, have a good night. All right. Sounds good. All right, Carol, we did it. This time we're closer to our two hour mark, which, you know, the last uh, I was doing the math all 10 weeks of the season have broken the two hour mark. We haven't gotten it under yet. Uh, a lot to talk about, but uh, we're, uh, we're right at our sweet spot tonight. And so that's great. And I really enjoyed all the topics we talked about. Yeah, definitely. You had a great show, as always. Like you said, you go check out, go check them out. If you don't catch it live, go check out sportswithphp.com. And you can get the live feed, or you can go to, you know, they have the links. Probably have the links there for Google Podcast, Apple Podcast. You can listen to it, you can watch it. But it's, you know, it's what we do. Some great content. Hopefully, you enjoy it. Um, one one more shout out for Julie uh, Donaldson. I just, I, I'm so thankful for her for coming on. And if uh, people uh, haven't had a chance to listen to it, I mean, to have the vice president and the chief media person for the Washington football team really break down some of those questions that we asked her. I thought she just did a fabulous job and I can't thank her enough for coming on and hopefully we get to work with her going forward. Uh, she's a great resource and she's opening up a lot of doors for media uh, in um, you know, Washington football team park, I guess they call it. I don't know. Uh, so, um, you know, I, I, it's, a, it's a great thing. She's doing big things over there. Uh, it's wonderful to see a woman taking those reins and just really running away with it, bringing all sorts of new things to it and just, a great personality, someone who's been big in this area for a long time. And I'm really excited for her. And it was really cool that we had that opportunity to ask her some of those big questions. And uh, I really hope that people go back and check that out. Definitely, definitely. We appreciate it as always. Sports OCHP, True Radio Network, DC Sports about the politics. Not just a catchphrase. It's not just a motto. It's what we do. We'll be back next week with another episode. Not sure how many times you're going to see me this week. I'm in training, got work to do. But stay tuned. I still try to do the breakdown show on Friday. Uh, I don't believe we have any photo shoots or commercials to shoot this Sunday. So I'm not sure if I'm working. But if I'm working, I can do the post game. Not, well, I might even try to do the post game, but I'll be doing that at the bar radio. Once I get my schedule, I'll let you guys know. Keep you posted on what's coming on and coming through the Sports and Mill podcast, CP3 Live from Lab, Robbie G. Anna K, Brian B, Room B, Susan A, man, we got a lot of beef. It's just crazy. <laughs> it's really yeah, but for all the 
Team Sports OTAC family. Appreciate you tuning in, checking us out, and we'll see you next week. CP3.